Welcome to this season two episode of the Me Sweet podcast. I'm your host, Donna Peters. I am a career coach for people who want a life, who want to live with what I call a Me Sweet mindset. Just like leaders in the C suite, we need to do three things well in our own personal lives. First, letting our personal core values guide our decisions. Second, keeping our day to day life running smoothly. And third, staying fresh and relevant for the future that we wish to have. Here, our guests balance the aspirational with the practical by sharing tips on what we can start doing differently on Monday to lead our lives with a me sweet mindset. The number one thing I've learned is that people are amazing if you give them a chance to tell their unique stories. So let's get in there. On today's episode of the Me Suite, we are interviewing a dear friend. His name is Mac Hardcastle, and he is a serial entrepreneur. He has had a career across a variety of venture capital, private equity, and fundraising businesses. It's a very diverse career path. He is a funny guy who knows how to lighten up really tense situations in the business place and in his personal life. He is very reflective and insightful. And I've always appreciated his perspective, even though at times we've gone years without talking to each other. You pick back up the phone and it's like you never stopped. Mac is also the author of The Entrepreneur's Handbook. And so as I mentioned, his entire career has been in this entrepreneurial space, which I think is very relevant to the Me Suite, where we stay fresh and relevant for the future that we want to have. And we will take a slightly serious turn in this discussion because not only is Mac a dear friend with loads of laughs, he literally has been dead for a few minutes, but not today. <laughs> not today. That's not right. today. So I really am thrilled to be able to have Mac in the Me Suite with me today. Welcome, Mac Hardcastle. What a great intro. Thank you so much. And you know, I'm a huge fan of, of yours and your work over the years. And yes, it is. Um, it's weird. I had 16 minutes in February where my heart did not beat. So uh, they did run uh, blood through my brain. So I guess that's a, a good thing. I feel great. So I'm good. I'm happy to be alive. <laughs> well, the listeners can't see you, but I can see you. And I think you look very vibrant. Well, you keep telling people that. <laughs> you know you know that I'm 6'2 and blonde with rippling biceps, right? You, you don't need to explain to the listeners that. Sure. Sure. In bizarro world, yes, all those things are true. Yes. So before we go um, into this experience of how you, you've been a leader and then have really had some life reflection, uh, let's stay true to the foundation in the Me Suite. Mac, what are your core values? Well, I have three, really, if you can, if you can say that. And, yes. And um, I'm kind of cheating with your question a little bit because this is something I used to say. Well, there was a period of time where I... It was just hiring people like crazy. And I did tell my uh, CEO at the time, we were getting ready to take this company public. And I said, look, I can hire the amount of people you want and the amount of time that you want me to, or I can do it right. You get to pick one of those two things. But I really did, you know, I was very indiscriminate about mm. my hiring practice at the time. Uh, and I really came to learn that there were really only three things that I was looking for. Are they reasonably intelligent? Mm -hmm. Are they hardworking and are they honest? Okay. I sort of felt like if those, if they fit those three criteria, everything else you can fix, right? And uh, and so I would say from a value standpoint, I like to think that those, you know, that so I'm kind of cheating with my answer. 
because it is a, it, you know, so it's a hiring criteria thing. Uh, but also I think that's true as to my core values is to be, you know, hardworking, reasonably intelligent. When I say intelligent, I mean... Informed, maybe. Informed, you know, mm-hmm. curi- intellectually curious. Yeah. And I, and I do think, I mean, because I, I, I complain a lot about my liberal arts education, but there are times where as a leader, you can appear to be, uh, let's say, wishy-washy when in fact, I really do want to build consensus but I think you really have to be vigilant, especially in startups. You have to be vigilant that you're not um, that you're not ramrodding everybody into your business plan because you you put together a business plan that is largely guessing mm-hmm. and you pretend somehow that you weren't just guessing when you came up with that. I don't know how that happens, but it's happened to me. And I used to lecture people about this all the time, and then did it <laughs> myself a bunch of times. So, so, but I feel like if you've got those three core values, mm-hmm. if you're hardworking intellectually curious, I'll call it, you know, willing to accept change and new data as it comes around. Um, and then are honest that, that those are really the only three things you can really ask of somebody. Yeah, um, I love them. So Mac, you've been a serial entrepreneur. You've written a book that's a handbook for entrepreneurs in this very complex world of private equity, venture capital, that's very you know, high stress, high risk, uh, lots of unknowns. Um, and at the same time, you have had your own extremely, let's call it scary, health moment. So I would love for you to help us connect those dots. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting career journey. And um, of course, with the Me Suite, you're talking about, you know, you're managing your your life, right? And a mm-hmm. important part of, of my life is is my career, but also I got other parts of the life. And and um I I do think as far as counsel for people is concerned. I got some advice many, many years ago that I'm sure we've all had, which is, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to do in a career, you know? And I, to say that I was burnt out is really not the right word, but I had been seeking a, a different, because I love the entrepreneur stuff and it's a ton mm-hmm. of fun, but I was, you know, also looking for a little more meaning. And so I wanted to do, I'd, of course, been very involved as a volunteer with nonprofits, but had never worked for one. Mm-hmm. So I went to work for a nonprofit and had been here uh, almost two years when uh, I had what's known as an aortic dissection. And the short of that is, it's very, it's very bad. Yeah. Don't get one. I used to say heart attack, right. I used to say heart attack because you know, people know what a heart attack is and they don't know what an AR dissection is, but it turns out a yeah. heart attack, you'd much prefer to have a heart attack over a okay. dissection. You're, an aortic dissection, uh, and I actually had repair done to both my aorta and both my carotid arteries. Mm. And um, and essentially what it is, is a condition where 95% of the people that have it die. Mm. Um, and so I was a 5% chance of, of living. Wow. And um, and one of the reasons, there are lots of reasons that it's generally fatal. And one of them is you just sort of drop dead one day. And mm-hmm. and so if you make it to the hospital, your chances increase to about 40%, sometimes 50%, depending on sort of where mm-hmm. you are. And then the surgery itself is very delicate and dangerous and lasts about six hours. And they literally like I said, for about 16 minutes, my heart stopped and, you know, they're just running stuff through my, my brain at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a, it's a six hour surgery where you're on ice and, you know, that's just not good, right? That's dangerous. Wow. So even if you are treated, uh, once you're treated, you've got a very good prognosis. So it seems like I'll be okay, we hope. 
but it's it's one of those things where it's it's you know you're you're likely going to die now when i was so the way it presented itself is that i thought i was having a heart attack and i had at that time probably had at least one of two strokes that i'd had and it was early in the morning and and i was getting out of the shower my chest hurt i'm 54 years old i was 53 then and um uh, my wife had not left yet to take our son to school. And, you know, I, I shouted to her that I was, think I was having a heart attack. And she asked, well, what should we do about that? And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm no doctor, but why not call 911? <laughs> but uh, you are Mac. And so she wasn't sure if you were kidding. That's right. Well, she really wasn't. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have noticed that I am, um, my wife calls it sarcasm. It's not sarcasm. I, I, I say things that aren't true on a regular <laughs> basis. Okay. Uh, because I, but on this particular you know, day. This particular day, this happened to be true, or at least I thought was true. And mm-hmm. and and so uh, so I did not know that I, at that time when I was lying there on the floor that I only had a 5% chance of living. I did not know that, but I did think it was bad or I considered mm-hmm. that it could be very bad. Um and I think I mentioned to you earlier that, you know, the, the ambulance, the guy, the EMT comes into the bathroom and says, hey, buddy, what's up? And I said, well, um, I think I'm having a heart attack. What's what's up with you? And he says, you think you're having a heart attack? Well, what do you think we ought to do about that? It's like, well, again, I'm no doctor, but don't you generally rush someone to the hospital when they're having a heart attack? And so, but before that time, I had been lying on the floor waiting for them to arrive. And it really wasn't very long. I'm going to say about five minutes, but maybe it was 10. And, you know, I was like, okay, this could be it. You know, if this is it, you know, how do I, how do I want this to go? Now I Mm. was laying on the ground in a towel, so maybe not the ideal way to, to go. I'd love to be, you know, dressed up in a tuxedo or something and dancing. You were more like Elvis. That's right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, except without the wild turkey and cocaine. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I get that a lot. You're just like Elvis, except for, you know, the attractiveness, the talent, and the cocaine. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, but I did have to think about... Um, you know, about sort of what kind of legacy I want to leave, which, which is, I say, what kind of legacy? So I have an only child who's 13. And I had to consider really whether I wanted to sort of bring him in the room Mm -hmm. and have, you know, final words with him. And I ultimately decided not to because I would hope that any last words I had would be trite. And that anything that I could say, maybe not ring true with a Mm -hmm. a lifetime with somebody, right? And hopefully, over the years, you sort of impart these, um, you have these important conversations. And um, there, there is a, a coach here named Mark Robertson. I don't know if he stole this for somebody else, but he talks about what we're really paid to do when you get down to it is mm-hmm. have effective communication with other people. Okay. And, you know, whether that's email or what, I mean, if you think about your job, for the most part, it's mm-hmm. communicating with people and that's really what we're paid to do is sort of and so I've been thinking a lot about that recently for the same reasons about thinking about, you know, having this conversation with my son and, you know, what in fact would I, would I say? Yeah. And I ultimately, again, decided that, 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 you know, anything that I would that that would be both traumatic for him and, I don't know, trite and, you know, unimportant. And so I, I didn't. 
mm-hmm. have that conversation. But it's made me think think a lot about it recently, and especially awkward that I work for a company called Alive, and our main we're a nonprofit, and our main job in Middle Tennessee is hospice services. Mm-hmm. We we provide palliative care services and grief services and a lot of other things. But so where it mm-hmm. started was with the hospice care. So we we have these conversations, you know, all day long. Yeah. And you they're easy, way easier to have if you're not dying. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so we encourage people really have these conversations sooner rather than later. And one of the things that I did, uh, well, we'll see, you can't see what that is. Well, I'll have to read it to me. Here we go. There we go. Is that... Can you tell what that says? So it's a brochure. It says, start a conversation. What is your legacy? Yes, exactly. So we have the, we just created these. Basically, we've got a stack. There's a stack of essentially playing cards here. I'll put them in front of me. So you mm-hmm. can, a stack of playing cards. Beautiful. Five or six. I mean, they're very pretty. And on the back of each one, and by the way, if anybody would like to request these, I can mail them to them. Oh, awesome. I'll put it in the show notes. It's sort of like cards for humanity. I shouldn't use that example. Mm-hmm. But where there are questions, you know, how do you inspire others? Yeah. What do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Who helped you grow? What are you most proud of? Uh, what do you want to see more of in the world? And these are the kinds of questions, mm-hmm. that, you know, we really should be asking ourselves. And what happens is just like any time managed book has ever told you is you've got to be careful to not let the uh, urgent crowd out the important, right? Mm. Um but that's what we do in our mm-hmm. regular lives, right? Is we let we let the urgent to get to the next ball game, to do the next thing, even when we're having fun, you know? Yeah. We're still on a hurry to get there. And I know that sounds trite and o- overused that, you know, it's the journey that matters and all that kind of stuff. But there's a reason it sounds trite and it's because it's true. I will send these to whoever likes them, but I do think it's really important mm-hmm. to have these conversations with your friends and your loved ones uh, before, it, before it feels like forced, you know, mm-hmm. before you feel like you have to have this conversation and get it all out and really um, think about these things. And it is is weird, I think, um, that I had this, you know, really exciting, fun career in entrepreneurship, mostly in healthcare, mostly technology, but I'd seen a lot of I got to see a lot of sort of behavioral economic change before a lot of other people did because, you know, oh. or the bubble and a lot of some were just hiring people so quickly. Yeah. And so many people and all that was great. And then, you know, I sort of, I wanted to do something in the nonprofit arena and, you know, caring for people into of life is very important, but there are other things that I also find, you know, important education and other things, but it did, it's funny that I sort of, got an opportunity to go through kind of twice, kind of rethinking, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing every day? And mm-hmm. I went to a TED Talk not too long ago in Nashville mm-hmm. where they, it was a, like an empowering women type thing. And as you know- They I, let you in? I was about to say, they did ask to check my parts, but they let me You in. made it out. That would be the better question. You made it out? Exactly. I was <laughs> one of like three dudes in the whole place. So it was, but I did feel empowered. Okay, good. But uh, one of, so a lot of the talks were very, I mean, they were all very interesting. One in particular, uh, I'm very sensitive to now, and this, I went mm. to it before my, uh, my trip to my month in the hospital. 
Um, and, and here's what it struck me about is that, you know, people often say, you know, do what you love and all that, but let's face it, folks, we, you can't necessarily just do what you love. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And this particular person was just like, you know, if you just dream it, it'll come true. That is BS. This mm-hmm. person was a hugely wealthy person, married to another hugely wealthy person. You can figure out who I'm going to talk about in a minute. I mean, if I tell you too much stuff, but famous, I mean, probably the, he's, she's probably married to the most famous actor on the planet right now. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, things are different for her. I can't, if I just want to go be in a musical, because I want to go be, which was an exact example she used, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. that I can't do that, right? Because I'm Matt Hardcastle and I, it's just, yeah. you know, not everybody has those kind of resources. So, so I don't think it's very helpful when people like do what you love, because you got to make a living. And so, and, you know, you, you've got certain skill sets and certain connections and certain life circumstances that you've got to work around. And so I don't think that's very helpful to people to say that. But I do think you can look at your core skill sets. And I do mm-hmm. think that they're transferable to different businesses. And while it was difficult for me to find some people in nonprofit that were willing to go, OK, the guy's never, ever worked in nonprofit before. Uh huh. But I but, you know. Of the 20 people I talked to, four thought it was a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I just needed one to, you know, take a chance on me. And that's been true of what I, I think here, my work at Alive has really confirmed this, this idea that people focus way too much on people's resumes and don't spend mm. enough time on those core values. Like, do I trust the person? Are mm-hmm. they hardworking? You know? And, and those are things we don't screen for very well and we don't look yeah. at very well and they're arguably the most important. And when I'm hiring people now, something I've done, I hired somebody recently who uh, had zero experience mm-hmm. working for a nonprofit raising money. But I knew that she was very engaged with the philanthropic community and I knew that she could, you know, go call, talk to corporate sponsors and she could she had the behavioral skills, I guess is what I'm saying, that I knew that someone needed to be successful. And so I hired her anyway over people with a lot of book learning mm. and she has just crushed it. So yeah. anyway, that was a long way to go on that. You reminded me of this word that I love to say, fungible, <laughs> that if we can think more fungibly about the skills that we have, it opens you up to all these different types of work opportunities. And I don't care what job you have, even if you think you're in a dream job, there is crappy work at a dream job. Right. right. Yes, I I really agree with what you said there and helping people think more broadly or more fungibly, if you like to say the word too, uh, about their skill set is probably going to be needed now more than ever as we continue to have the market upset by the pandemic effects. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting question too, is the market sort of changes. And that's why I want to encourage people to, you know, to to examine their core values and to look at at Mm -hmm. them because... You know, I wonder if it will make people, when people get afraid, they go to what what feels safer. Uh-huh. Generally, that feels safe kind of place. And I used to tell the entrepreneurs, I'm getting ready to risk all this money. And, you know, often they just do a terrible job of assessing what the real risk is, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mac, you have very varied experiences, and I think probably some more soul-searching ones than the average person. Is there any advice that you have for a me sweet listener, things that we can do differently on Monday? I do. 
And this is going to sound trite or whatever. And it's not so much a business thing. It's a being a person thing. Okay. So I want to challenge everyone to start doing differently. I want them to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. On Monday, is that the day they have to do it or could they do it Tuesday? We prefer Monday, but I'll, I'll give them to Tuesday if you insist. <laughs> Tuesday to do it. But I, they need to start a conversation that can be with somebody that they work with mm-hmm. or just somebody they love in their life. But mm-hmm. start a conversation mm-hmm. on these big picture questions. Okay. And when I say big picture questions, what's your legacy? Yeah. What is you want your, I mean, all these questions come or go to point to that thing, but sort of what do you want mm-hmm. to leave behind? One little thing that I've done recently that I kind of want to start doing for everything is when I go out now, which is very rare, but when I'm with a group of people, and generally this is family, mm-hmm. sometimes small friends because we don't, we have these very small gatherings now and we're generally outside, but I like to pick one person in the group mm. and all toast that person. Okay. And I would love if people did that because it, it, and, and rotate the person, don't do the same. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. All the thing. But so I really gave you two things. <laughs> yeah, no, I like them both though. But and, and I think you could do even the toasting one on a on a video happy hour. You wouldn't have to be in someone's backyard. Yeah, I think it is that to remind people that we appreciate them mm-hmm. and their uniqueness. You know, I've been through a lot of of situations recently uh, where like I went on an annual fishing trip that I go to with this group of guys recently. And, you know, was reminded this would be a very different experience if I had not made it in February, right? If, I, mm, if you'd been missing. And life is fragile and we, we forget mm. that we forget what's important and what yeah. matters most. And so I think toasting someone reminds them of, uh. of what, what's important because people are not going to say when they toast you, they're not going to say something about, well, you got your dry cleaning picked up on time today or what? Right. I mean, they're never, they're not going to say yeah. they're going to uh-huh. go to those core things that we talk about, those core values that they're going to toast you on and that they believe in your honesty or your diligence or your sense of humor or whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think people need reminding that. And so, so that's, that's why I think, and, and, you know, people need to know that you love them. Yeah. And and my favorite is the Herb Gelleher thing when they asked him some years ago as he was chain smoking. They said, you know, why did the people at Southwest Airlines, why did they love you so much or whatever? Or or how do you get them to do all this stuff you get them to do? Mm -hmm. Oh, he says, oh, it's so easy. I just love them. I just love them. That's all I do. Uh How many CEOs have you ever heard say that? I mean, I do. Never. I think it's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. I think we ought to to celebrate it in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, you know, you and I have talked about work. Work is a big part of a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And this whole business about, that uh, drives me crazy when people say, oh, it's not, it's not personal. It's, it's just business. Well, that sounds like it. I'm getting ready to screw you. <laughs> and I don't want to feel guilty about it. So yeah. I'm going to say, it's not, I love you as a person. I just, yeah. an employee or whatever. You know, the fact is, um, our you know, what we decide to do with our careers is very personal. Yeah. And we forget that sometimes and that we shouldn't mm-hmm. let the urgent crowd the important. And it's the important things that really matter both in our work and our personal lives. Yeah. 
Well, I want to put a bow on this special interview with my dear friend, Mac, that I am thrilled that you are still here to attend this episode. You are very special to me and I love you, Mac. I'll tell you, I just love him. I just love him. (laughs) Absolutely the same way. I absolutely love and adore you. Well, I, I'm really... My number one goal was uh, don't choke up during this interview. <laughs> well, I've all got close a few times. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate you being vulnerable you know, about a really sensitive and pretty recent topic that I really think a lot of people can learn from. And thank you, Mac Hardcastle, everyone. And if you're interested in following up on those what is your legacy set of questions that he offered, we will have information on that in the show notes. Thank you, Mac. Thank you so much, Don. This has been so much fun. What a great show. Subscribe to the podcast and give us five stars if you like what you're hearing. And learn more about the MeSuite career coaching and professional development at themesuite.com. It's the-me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. This is Donna Peters, and I thank you for having me in your ear right now. Find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.